With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about Mitzid of Chaches, page 28. We're going to begin four lines in, El Rava. And this is a Gemara that we see in the previous staff, but uh, in order to understand the continuation, so we need to start from here. So Rava says as follows, Simon and Arisa, so Simon, the signs, they work from the Torah. The verse says, You have to hold on to the item that you found until your brother comes to claim it. Would we think that you should give it to him before he comes to claim it? So clearly the verse is coming to say that the word Yidrashenu, to come to claim, can also mean to check out. So what are we checking out? We're checking out if he's a Ram, if he's a trickster. Or if not, So the says, Perhaps, or clearly, it's speaking about signs. That's how you're going to check if he's a trickster or not. If he knows the signs, then indeed it's his. If not, it's not. Shmami, no, it's a good proof. Amar So now, Rav says a different statement. Imtim mar simonim If it's true, that indeed simonim are from the Torah. So the Gemara is going to say, very soon, even if it's true that simonim work from the Torah, we're going to see that witnesses are going to be better than signs themselves. So the Gemara says, hold on a second. Imtim What are you talking about, if it will be true? We already proved that these signs work from the Torah. So the Gemara answers, no. This is why we said, if it's true. Because theoretically, we could answer that the Torah, when it says that you're checking it out, it's not, it's not saying that you're checking out if he's a trickster by checking if he has signs. It could be that you're checking if he's a trickster by seeing if he has witnesses. So it's not an ironclad proof that indeed from the Torah, Simonim signs work. So now, so what we're saying is, even if it's true that signs indeed work, Simonim is Simonim, Yaniach. So if let's say you have two people who are claiming the signs, meaning they both have signs and they have a proper claim to the object, so you just put it off to the side since we don't know whose it is, and Elio, Elijah the prophet will come, and he's going to tell us exactly who it belongs to. Simonim ve'edim, however, if you have one person claiming it with signs, one person claiming it with witnesses, so the person who has a stronger claim is going to be the person who has the witnesses. Simonim ve'simonim ve'edechad, let's say one person is claiming it with signs, and another person is claiming it with signs, and he has a single witness who's backing up his claims. The Gemara says, that single witness is worthless because a single witness on his own doesn't have the power to say anything, and therefore he doesn't add anything to this picture. So it's no worse than when you have two people who are claiming something with signs, and therefore, when you have two people you don't know who it belongs to, therefore you put it off to the side, and Elijah the Prophet will come to explain exactly whose it is. Let's have a case where one person brings witnesses that say that he was the one who wove this garment, and another person brings witnesses that say that this garment fell from him. So you give to the person who has brought the witnesses that say that it fell from him. Why? We say it might, be, it might even be true that he wove it, however he sold it, and it fell from this other person. So therefore the one who has the witnesses that say that it fell from him clearly belongs to him. Let's say one person says, I know the length of the garment. And one says, I know the width of the garment. So we're talking about here specifically a case of a talus where you take the length of the garment, the longer part of the garment, that's the part that you wrap around yourself. And the width, it's, it's clear to see because it's hanging down. So now, So the person who knows the length, he's the one who has a better sign. Because when it comes to the width, which is what's hanging down when a person is wearing this garment, of a koi. So it's possible to figure out exactly how wide it is when the person is wearing it. So therefore, it's not as great of a sign. But when it comes to the length, it's not so easy to figure out how long it is. Therefore, if the person knows how long it is, clearly he's the one who owns it. Let's say one person knows the precise measurements. He says it's a 10 by 5 garment. And the other one says, you know, I know that the, the entire garment altogether is 50 square units, whatever it is. So even though they're both saying a good claim, so what you do is you give to the person who knows the precise length and width because it's a better claim. 
So let's say one person has a claim and he says, I know the exact measurements of the garment. The other person says, I know its exact weight. So you give it to the person who knows the precise weight because that's a better sign. Let's say there's a divorce document and the man is claiming that he never gave it to her. The woman is claiming that she got it already. And they both know the signs of the get. They both know the precise distinguishing factors. So you give it to her because the only way that she could know the distinguishing factors is if she, is if she received it already. He, of course, would know whether or not he's given it because he is the one who originally wrote it. Bimai, Sigmar says, what exactly are the signs that we're talking about that each one knows? If we're talking about the signs of the length and the width of this document, maybe when he was buying the document, she saw him buying the document, and therefore she knows exactly the length and the width. It's not per se a proof that she received it. So rather, it has to be something which is more specific. For example, there's a little hole right next to a certain letter on the document. So if she knows that, that's going to be a proper claim, and therefore she will receive the document. Let's say he's saying the signs of the string and she's saying the signs of the string and this is a string that's tying the document together the divorce document Yinas give it to her because the only way that she could know the sign is only if she had received it already Bimai says what exactly is the case here if the sign that we're talking about is where whether it's white string or it's a red string maybe when he was getting this document she saw him getting the document therefore she knows what color the string is so that can't be the proof that she has indeed received the document so rather what we're talking about is that she knows the length of the string Meaning, when we untie the string, so she knows how long that string is, which is only possible if she had already personally received the document. Let's say both of them know that the document was placed in a carrying case for documents. So even in such a case, you give it back to him, not to her. My time, what's the reason? Because she always knows that this guy always places his important documents into a carrying case. So therefore, the fact that she knows it doesn't prove that she received the document already. So from the fact that she's using this as her sign, as opposed to a better sign, clearly she doesn't have a better sign because she never even received the document. Therefore, we give it back to him. We begin the Mishnah. How long is it necessary for a person who has found a lost object to announce that he's found it? Rabbi Meir says that you have to announce it as long as it takes for the neighbors of the area where that object was lost to be able to be aware of the fact that such an object was lost. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, What you do is you announce it for three consecutive festivals, meaning you go to Jerusalem, and it's likely that over the course of the three festivals, the person who lost his object will also come to Jerusalem, therefore you're announcing it there over that time. After the third of the three consecutive festivals, so so you count another seven days, and you continue to announce it during those seven days, in order that the person will be able to hear that such an item was lost. He'll go home, it takes him three days to get home, it takes him three days to get back to Jerusalem, and he has to continue announcing it, the person who found the object, for another day, so that the person who lost his object will be able to hear someone announcing it and be able to claim it at that point. We begin the Gemara. Tana, we learned in Abraisa, Shechene Aveda. Whereas in the Mishnah it says that you have to announce it as long as it takes for the neighbors to find out, and the Abraisa says the neighbors of the lost object. Now the Gemara says, My Shechene Aveda. What exactly does it mean, the neighbors of the lost object? If it means the neighbors of the person who lost the object, If the way he determines how long he's supposed to say it for is until the neighbors of the person who lost his object, until they find out about it, so that would imply that he knows who the person is that lost the object. Why doesn't he just give it back to them? So clearly what it means is that he has to announce it as long as it takes for the neighbors around the area where the lost object was found for those people to be able to find out about it.
The Gemara continues, Rabbi Yehuda, Amr Vechulei, we said in the Mishnah, that Rabbi Yehuda says you announce it for three festivals, and then seven days after the third of the three festivals. And we said the reason is because since it takes three days to go home, three days to get back, and he needs a day in order to be able to claim it, therefore you do for seven days. So Gemara says, hold on a second, you're telling me it takes three days to get to the end of Eretz Yisrael, to the land of Israel, Ruminu, I'll bring you a contradiction as follows. On the third day of Cheshvan, Cheshvan is the month that follows Tishrei. Tishrei is the month that we have all of the, the holidays in uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. So after the holiday of Sukkot, so the entire Jewish people, or many of the Jewish people, would be in Jerusalem for the festival. So we wait until they all have the opportunity to get home before we start asking God to send rain. Because we don't need the people who are walking home to get drenched by the rain. So here the Tanakhama says, you wait until the third day of Cheshvon, which is the month that follows Tishrei. Rabbi Gamaliel, Rabbi Gamaliel says, B'shivaboy, you wait until the seventh day of Cheshvon, Shehu Chamishos, or Yom Achar Achag, which is 15 days after the festival was over. So that the last Jew lives in Israel should be able to get all the way to his home, which is next to the Euphrates River. So what do we see? We see over here it takes 15 days to get home, not three days. What does the Mishnah mean? So Rav Yosef says as follows, Like kosher, it's not a problem, come and make the Shrishan, come and make the Shani. It depends if we're talking about the first temple or the second temple. But make the Shrishan, in the first temple, the Nefisha Yisrael Tuva, there were a tremendous amount of Jews. Because the verse says, Yehudi Yisrael Rabin Kechola Sher Lahayom Laroiv. In reference to the Jews in the times of the first temple, so the two parts of the Jewish people were Yehuda, which was the section of Judah, which consisted of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And then you had the section which was Yisrael, which was the other ten tribes. So it describes both of them as being as great as the sand of the sea. So since there were so many Jews, but in Kulehai, so it's necessary to wait a longer amount of time, because since there are so many Jews, so they're spread out very much, and therefore it takes longer to get to the edges of the land of Israel. But Mikdashini, during the second time of the Lord of Yisrael Tuva, there weren't as many Jews, the because the verse says, Kol HaKahal Ke'echad, all of the nation as one, Arba Riboy Alpaim Shloshim The verse says that the entire Jewish nation consisted of 42,360 Jews. So since there weren't as many Jews, so they were centered in a closer amount of area, we don't need as much time to get to the edge of that area. Therefore, three days is enough. So Abai says, hold on a second. The verse says, in reference to the Jews who came back to the land of Israel during the second temple times to rebuild the temple, it says that they returned to their habitations. All the Jews returned to their original cities. So since that's the case, the exact opposite will, will actually make more sense. So in, during the first temple where there are a tremendous amount of Jews and they're spread out over the same amount of space, the Mansus Alma, so since they get together in groups, since there's transportation taking people both during the day and during the night, so you don't need as much time, and it's enough to wait three days. But during the second temple, where there weren't as many Jews, but they were spread out over the same space, there are groups of people that are traveling together, we don't have transportation that's going both during the day and at night, so then we need more time in order to get home. And that's why the Bryce says, that we need 15 days. Rabbi Amar, Rabbi says there's no difference between the first temple and the second temple. Really, it takes 15 days to get home if you want to go all the way to the end of Israel. However, the sages did not want to make a person have to be so involved and stay so long he's going to stay another month in order to be able to return this lost object. It's just going to end up discouraging people from returning lost objects at all. People are not going to want to do this mitzvah. So therefore, the sages said you only have to wait seven days. 
Omar Ravina, Ravina says, Shmamina, we can deduce, ki machris, machris, that when you're making an announcement, you announce, I found a shirt. You don't just say that I found a lost object. These is because of it, we true that all you're announcing is the fact that you found a lost object without specifying what it was, but in the It won't be enough to give him seven days. He should need an extra day, an eighth day, in order to check into all of his different utensils, the things that he has in his home, because he's not even sure exactly what he might have lost. So we can prove from this that he's not just announcing without explaining exactly what he's found, but rather when he announces, he announces specifically which item he's found. It's a good proof. Rava says it's not such a good proof. It could be that indeed he only announces the fact that he found a lost object. Nevertheless, even though it should take another day for the person who's going back to his house to check through all of his stuff, nevertheless the sages do not require a person who's found a lost object to stay around for a longer period of time because this would just discourage people from returning lost objects. Tanarabana, we learned in a Braiso. Regal Rishon, I'm a regal Rishon. On the first of the three festivals that a person must announce the object that he's found, so he exclaims, as he's saying that he's found an object, he says, this is the first festival that I'm here announcing it. Regal Shani, I'm a regal Shani. On the second festival that he's announcing it, so he says again, this is the second festival. And this gives an opportunity for the person, let's say, who's going back home to check his stuff, doesn't have to come back immediately to the temple and go see if the guy is still there, but rather he comes back to the following festival, and then he can claim it from the person who's announced it. Regal Shli, when it comes to the third festival, where he's not going to come back again to announce this lost object, Aymer Stam. So he doesn't say anything. All he says is, I'm announcing this, period. And he doesn't say that I'm announcing this, this is my third regal, my third festival. So the says, Why doesn't he say it's the third festival? Because we're afraid that if we say that he should say the third festival, he might by accident say the second festival. And therefore the person who's going home to check his stuff to see if he lost an object, so he's going to think that he can come back to the following festival. Meanwhile, the person was really supposed to say that it's the third festival. But he said second by accident. So he's going to stay there for seven days, he's not going to come back to the following festival, and this person's not going to receive back his object. So rather what we said was, that he should say nothing. And this way everyone will know that when he says nothing, it's the third festival already and only has seven days to come back. So Gemara says, hold on a second. Sheni, nami asilach luth We turn to Dath Chavchesim, basically 28b. If he says the second one, he might also mix it up and think that it's the first one. So the Gemara responds and says, that's not a problem. Haka asi regal shlishi. Because in any event, if we're talking about the second one or the first one, he's still going to come for another festival. So he still has another opportunity to come back and claim his object. Tanarabana, we learned in Abraiso. Barishan originally called Misha Matza Avedah so originally, so anyone who would find a lost object, so he would announce it for three festivals. And after the last of the three festivals, he would wait there for seven days. So that he would have an opportunity to walk home for three days, return for three days, and while he's announcing it for that last day, he'll be able to claim it. So once the temple had been destroyed, that should be rebuilt speedily in our days. So they established that instead they should announce it in the temples, in the synagogues, and in the study halls. And once people started to take it unlawfully, so then they established that it's enough to just inform one's neighbors and those who know him, and that's going to be enough. It's not going to be considered that he has to do anything more than that as far as trying to return it. What do we mean that people were taking it unlawfully? The army of Eretz meant that they were going to take it and give it over to the king, because I guess in those days, so the kings, so they would lay claim to any lost objects, and the Torah requires that we return the lost objects. So in order to avoid people telling the king that there was a lost object, so it would be announced only in a more private manner.
Rabbi Ami Ashkach Udiyo de Dinri, Rabbi Ami found a vessel full of golden coins, a certain person saw him, the Kamirta that he was shaking. So he says to him, go take it for yourself. We're not Persians who tell over the fact that someone has found a lost object to the king. And therefore you don't have to worry that someone's going to take it away from you. There was a stone that was used for people to make claims in Jerusalem. Anybody who lost an object, so he went to that place. Whoever has found a lost object will go to the place. It was like the national lost and found. Each person, so they would announce the object that they found, and the person who was coming to claim it would say the signs. The night line he would take it. And this is what was reference was being made to. In the story of Choni HaMagal, so Choni HaMagal drew a circle around himself. He said to God, I'm not leaving the circle in, until you send rain, because there was a drought. And so it started to rain, and he said to them, has it rained enough? So go see if it's covered up, this particular stone, this stone where people would come to make their claims. We begin the next Mishnah. Let's say somebody said the object that was lost, but he didn't say the signs. Don't give it to him. And someone who's a trickster, even if he gives the signs, you do not give it to him. As the verse says, until your brother comes to claim it. So we dash, we understand that the verse is talking about that you have to check out your brother, whether or not he is a trickster. We begin the Gemara. Itmar was stated, Rabbi Huda says that when you're making an announcement, you just announced that I found a lost object. Rav Nachman says, You announce specifically what you have found. Rav Yehuda says that the thing that you announce is that you found a lost object. Because if you specify what was found, we have to be afraid that the person who actually lost the object was walking around and saying, I lost my object, and it looks like such and such. And this person heard that guy talking that way, so he knows the simon, he knows the signs. And that's what we're afraid of. So therefore we say that we don't announce precisely what was lost. Rav Nachman says, no, you announce exactly what was lost, what was found, whatever. Because we're not afraid, we're not at all afraid that someone's going to do this trick. Because if we have to be afraid for such a thing, so you can't even announce the fact that you found a lost object, because this guy might have heard that there was a guy that was walking around, and he had lost, let's say, a shirt. And so this Rami, this trickster, is going to come along and say, oh, I, I lost a shirt, even though it wasn't his. So even though you're not announcing the fact that a shirt was found, nevertheless, this guy will have heard it. So if we have to be worried about that, we have to be worried about that. There's no end to it. So therefore, if Nachman says, no, you announce the fact that we have a shirt, and we're not worried about a trickster like that. Tonight, we learned in the Mishnah, Let's say the person who's coming to claim the lost object says, I lost precisely this object, the shirt. But he doesn't say the signs of the shirt. We don't give it to him. If Rav Yehud is correct, that all we're announcing is the fact that a lost object was found without specifying what it is, this is what's coming to teach us. Even though he correctly identified the fact that it was a shirt that was found, if he doesn't give proper signs, we're not going to return it to him. But if in fact, Rav Nachman is correct that we're announcing that a shirt was found. So, if the case is where the person who's announcing is saying, I found the shirt, the other person is responding and saying, I lost the shirt. Is it a novelty to say that if he doesn't say the proper signs, but you're not going to return it to him? Of course, we don't return it to him. He hasn't added any information to what the person who announced it announced. 
Amar of Safar. So Rav Safar says, Really, I'll tell you that the announcement that's being made is that indeed, like Rav Nachman said, he's announcing that a shirt was found. Amar you glima. So the person who found the object says, I found a shirt. Amar you simon. The person responds with signs. What does it mean in the mission when it says that we don't give it to him because he hasn't said the proper signs? It means he hasn't said serious signs because there are some signs, let's say the shirt was white or the shirt was red. That's not a very serious sign. There are hundreds of shirts that are white and hundreds of shirts that are red. But if he says the specific, the more distinguishing signs, he gives the exact shirt size and he knows it was a Giorgio Armani shirt. So if he gives the more specific and precise descriptions, so then he's going to get it back. But if he doesn't give such precise descriptions, he's not going to receive his object back. We said in the Mishnah that if there's a trickster, even if he says the signs, we do not give it to him. Originally, so anybody would bring their signs and he'd be able to take his lost object. When there became a tremendous amount of people who were tricking, so they established that in order for a person to be able to claim an object, so he has to bring witnesses that say that he's indeed not a trickster. Like the following story with the father of a papa, so he lost his donkey, and it was found. Also, the the So they came in front of Rabbi, the son of Ravuna. So he said to him, "Bring witnesses that you are not a trickster, and then you can take it." Also, So he went and he brought witnesses. So they said to the witnesses, "Do you know that he's a trickster?" So they responded, "Yes," and they meant to say, "Yes, he's not a trickster." So he said to them, "What do you mean?" It sounded like he was saying, I'm a trickster. Because they asked him, is this guy a trickster? And they said, yes. That's what it sounded like they were saying. What we meant to say was that you're not a trickster. So Rabbi Barafuna says, It makes sense that a person wouldn't bring witnesses unless he thought that they were going to say something positive about him. So we don't have to assume that what they originally said was what it sounded like. But rather, we assume that indeed what they meant was what they're claiming that they meant, which was that he's not a trickster. We begin the Mishnah. If the thing that was found was an animal, so the person who found it has to help it stay alive, right? So he's got to give it food. So if it's an animal that can provide for itself, so to speak, it can work for the owner, has a value, and if it's going to make that money and it'll pay for itself, so then that's what you do. But if it's an animal that doesn't have the ability to do that, so you sell it. You return it to him. So you should make sure that you return it to him. What does that mean? Meaning, if let's say you feed the animal, so whatever money that you spend on feeding it, so the owner, the one who lost it, is going to have to pay you back. So now, if you're spending so much money on the food, and you don't sell the animal, so then it's going to end up that he's going to lose his animal in essence, because he's going to end up paying you for all the food, and it's going to have a greater value than the animal itself. So rather, what you should do is, you should sell the animal, and thereby, the person who lost his animal will not lose out. So the mission says, what do you do with the money? Rebbe says, The person who has found the animal and sold the animal is allowed to use the money. Therefore, if the money gets lost, there's an obligation on the person who has found the animal and sold the animal to replace the money. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says, He should not use the money. And therefore, if the money gets lost, there's no responsibility on the person who originally found the animal and sold the animal and then set aside this money. We begin the Gemara. Would it be forever that a person has to be involved with this animal for all times? No, he only has to do this for 12 months. Like this, called any animal that can earn its keep, so to speak, could go in part of a chamor, for example, a cow and a donkey, 
So you deal with them for 12 months. So from then and on, so you evaluate their value and you set aside that money. Calves and young donkeys. So all you have to deal with them for is three months since they don't earn their keep. From then and on, so you evaluate their value and you place the value aside. A chicken is similar to a large animal in that it can earn its keep, so to speak, because it lays eggs. We have a bracelet like this as well. Put a chicken and a large animal, you deal with them for 12 months. From then and on, so you evaluate their value, you place the money aside. In regards to calves and young donkeys, so in this price it says that you deal with them for 30 days. From then and on, so you evaluate their value and you place them to the side. Geese and roosters, anything that be involved, being involved in it will cost more than it's actually worth. You deal with them for three days. From then and on, so you set aside the value. Sigmar says, hold on a second. So we have a contradiction here in regards to the things that you don't deal with as long. We see that there are two different time periods. What's the understanding of this? Sigmar says, In regards to the calves and young donkeys, it's not a problem. This that we said that you keep it for three months and you deal with it for three months, it's speaking about in the time when there's a lot of grass. So when there's a lot of grass, so the upkeep of the animal is not a tremendous amount of difficulty. However, if there's not a tremendous amount of grass at the time when this animal is found, so there's no obligation on the person who's found it to deal with it for more than 30 days. The contradiction in regards to the roosters and the geese is also not a problem. It depends if we're talking about large birds or small birds. The large birds require much more effort in order to keep them alive, and therefore you don't have to keep them as long. However, the smaller birds, so they don't require as much food, it's not going to be as great of an expenditure, and therefore you should keep them around for a longer amount of time. And by the way, the reason in all of these cases that it's important to keep them around as long as possible theoretically, as long as there's not going to be a loss to the person who's lost it, so the reason is because he would prefer to have his original animal rather than having money in order to buy another animal. So we said if it doesn't have the ability to support itself, so to speak, turn around, but we learned in the Brisa. That you're supposed to return it to him, make sure that you return it to him, and you don't spend more money feeding it than its actual value. You shouldn't take, if let's say somebody found a group of calves, you shouldn't take one of them and sell it in order to be able to buy food for the other group. Or a similar type of case in regards to young donkeys. Geese for geese, a rooster for other roosters.